Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, we are actually in week two of our series called Right in the Eye. And it's basically, we're going through stories in the book of Judges. And, and typically when you hear that, you know, my mind immediately goes to the kind of court systems that we have and the judges that we have, but that's not what this was at all in this time. These were basically military leaders, and they were, God raised them up to help basically tell Israel, hey, these are the laws, this is how we ought to, to live our lives, but also they were to, to lead the military in some of the conquering things that they were doing and what have you. And, and last week, Jordan kicked us off with this story that Maybe many of you hadn't read for a long time or didn't know at all, and it's just this sordid, awful story, unimaginable things happening in the life of Israel in the last chapter of, of Judges, the last few chapters of Judges. And then the, ju- and then the book ends with this, this verse, 21-25, Judges 21-25. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then the book ends. You've got this horrid story that we don't even like to think about that it could, and even imagine it could ever happen. And then it says that everybody just did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. They just did whatever they thought. And then it ends. And we don't get any answers. We don't get anything. It's just a, this story. That, and, and it's just complicated at, at least, you know. So today we're going to go back and actually start at the very beginning of, of this whole thing. And, and, and what I want to talk about today is something that is a little bit strange, to be honest, to to have to preface this, but we're going to talk about freedom. We're going to be talking about freedom in Christ. And, and what, you know, you, you think about freedom. The American dream is that we live in freedom, right? I mean, we look around all the world right now and see what's going on and, 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 and all the oppression and, and things that are happening. And you think, you know, how can freedom be controversial? How can freedom actually divide us? But yet it is, doesn't it? Because the American dream is freedom that we pursue in some cases actually divide people. You know, you can talk about masks, you can talk about convoys, you know, I've got rights, I can do this when I want to do it, you know, and all these kind of things. And, and I want you to understand when I'm talking about freedom today, I'm not trying to pick a side. I'm not going to, you, you may interpret or hear something that I'm saying today and say, well, see, that proves it. That is not where we're going, where I intend to go, all right? I am looking at this from a biblical perspective of how we as Christians, as we as Christ followers can live in freedom. I believe that people ought to look at us, those of us who have set our lives on Christ, and, and, and say, that's the kind of life I want to live. Those are the kind of, you know, I don't get it all, and I don't know if I even believe it all, but there's something about them that is so special, that is so unique. They live in this free freedom that, that I don't seem to have. That's where we're going for today. You know, so as I was preparing this, I, I kind of looked and, and thought, okay, what does freedom mean? And so I started looking up some quotes, and I just want to share some quotes for you about freedom. Okay, the very first one is this. They may take away our lives, but they'll never take away our freedom from that great movie, Braveheart. (laughs) I love that. Martin Luther King Jr. says this. God is not merely interested in the freedom of brown men, yellow men, red men, and black men. He is interested in the freedom of the whole human race. Nelson Mandela says this. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Ronald Reagan said this, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. I love those quotes. I love those pictures of, of freedom that we have. 
And we long for that. We love freedom. We talk about freedom. You know, it's the American dream. People, other people, nations look at us and say, you know, there's something different about that. And we love that. But, but let's just be honest. There's also an ugly side to freedom if we allow it to be. When we get caught up in our own sinfulness, our own self-centeredness, and, and we start talking about freedom, it can get to a point that isn't very healthy for anybody, including ourselves. And we start saying things like this, I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. You know, I, you can't be the boss of me, you can't rule over me, I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. And then when we start hearing that, we start sensing that, you know what, that is a little self-centered and that's a little selfish. So what we do then is we say it this way. See, I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And that, you know, takes us off the hook a little bit. You know, we, we, we throw this whole thing in. As, as, you know, I can, do, I can have my, my thing, do my own thing, as long as I really don't hurt anybody else. And maybe some of you have teenagers, and you know that this is kind of how they live, isn't it? And, you, and you're, it's frustrating to you. But we don't have to look very far back, do we, in our own teenage years when, you know what, we didn't really want to listen to anybody else of authority, our parents or anybody else. We just wanted to do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it, and we try to manipulate our way into that. Or maybe you went off to college, grew up in church all your lives, and you went off to college, and all of a sudden you didn't have the same constraints, you didn't have the same boundaries that you, you had to go with all your parents and everything else that's going on. And you said, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do when I want to do it with whom I want to do it. Or maybe you even get older. And now, matter of fact, Bruce and I were going out to lunch the other day. Or I think it was on Friday. And we started talking about this. And we started talking about all the complicated stuff that's happening around us. You know, just even in our little worlds and in the world around you. And you, said, you just get to a point and you want to just say, you know what, I'm just done. I'm just going to forget about all that and do what I want to do. It's tempting, isn't it? And when we realize that, that this is kind of our nature. And even though we say, as long as no one gets hurt. Let's just face it, whenever we do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with whom we want to do it, someone gets hurt. Someone around us and even ourselves. And so we've got to be very, very careful with this whole thing, this whole idea of freedom. And so we're going to hang out in the book of Judge, Judges, which is just this piece of, of ancient history, history for Israel. And we know that Moses led led the Israelite nation out of, out of slavery from Egypt, and they go out, and they're in the wilderness, and Moses doesn't, isn't allowed to take them into the promised land, but Joshua, a leader, not a king, is raised up. God raises up Joshua to take them into the promised land, and, and, and God had set up this whole Israel nation as, you don't need a king. All the other nations around them had kings, and Israel was even saying, I, we need a king, we need a king. And God said, no, we're going to show everybody else that if you have me as a king and you live under these constraints, you live under these guardrails, these rules, these parameters, it's the only way to live. It's the best way to live. And so, so he raises up Joshua as a leader, goes in, starts going into the promised land, and things just doesn't go well for the Israelite nations. You know, they disobey, disaster happens, and then they get delivered. And it's this continuing thing of, <laughs> of disobey, disaster, deliverance, on and on and on again. It just didn't go well the way they were heading. And so that's where we kind of want to start and pick up this. We're actually going to be in Joshua. We're going to read Joshua first before we get into Judges. But it's a unique setting that Joshua's done. He knows that he's going to die very soon. And he basically has this camp meeting for everybody. How many people here went to church camp when they were young? Okay, lots of people, yeah. Uh, I, when, I can remember back in high school, we went to what was called then MIFI. That's how old I am. Uh, and it was called Missionary Youth Fellowship International, and it was taking place. The two places I really remember is South Dakota and Montana. And we would take our whole youth group, and, and we would 
travel out to there, and it was an amazing time, emotional weekend, you know, worship music, and, and people were making decisions, things. Maybe you had that camp night where at the end of the night, you know, you would make some kind of decision and, and around a bonfire and say, this is how we're going to follow God. It's, it's, it's amazing. When Barb and I grew up in our last church, we actually were youth sponsors, and then MyFi turned into CDYC, and we would go every year with our youth to CDYC. It was an amazing, amazing time to watch kids just, just come alive, kind of like what happened at D-Now weekend this weekend with our own teens, and, and make decisions and change their lives. And it was just an awesome, awesome time. But at the end of CDYC every year, you'd have this, this big group session with worship music and, and the speaker come up and motivate everybody and it was emotional and then you take your youth group and you go into another room and you have what we dubbed cry night, okay? And it was just a night that, you know, everybody confessed everything, they, they apologized to each other, it was just, and everybody by the end of the night was bawling, you know, and, and Barb and I were in there crying, you know, it was just crazy stuff and, and so we called it cry night and I don't know if they had a cry night last night or night, but, you know, and maybe the same way with you, you, you did that in church camp where, you know, you write down all the things that you want to change, all the sins and all the things that you know that God's calling you to do, you're not living that way, and you take your little piece of paper and you throw it in a bonfire and you say, this is going to be different from everything from, than, than ever. You know, it's an important time. It's a time of change. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story is that, that Joshua is having this camp meeting and he's having a cry night, if you will. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. And he's, he's telling his, the Israelite nation here, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And my guess is that you've heard that, that last line before. Maybe you even have it a plaque in your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's Joshua knowing that he's going to die very soon. And that his last chance is to impart some wisdom, impart these people and implore them to follow God, to follow the commandments, to follow the rules and regulations that God has in store for them. And the people in verse 16 reply, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. They're remembering back. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. And they're saying this is it. Joshua, we, we're in with you, man. We are going to serve the Lord with our family just like you have decided to. But Joshua is a little skeptical. Verse 19, then Joshua warned the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy and jealous God. You just can't do it, guys. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Understand what you're up against here. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. And he gives them fair warning. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you're up to it? Do you understand who God really is? Verse 21. But the people answered, Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. This is it. We're putting the stake in the ground. And Joshua 
says, you are witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. Verse 23, all right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is decision time. This is where, where the rubber meets the road, man. This is, you've made a decision, now let's go do it. And maybe you remember those days when you did throw that piece of paper in the fire or you come back from church camp or, or one of these meetings and you say, you know what, I just gotta break up with my girlfriend. I gotta break up with my boyfriend. I, you know, there's got to be changes. I got to give up smoking. I got to have this addiction or this thing that I, it's, and, and you give it all up. There was one time that we, I even came back. I remember back when I came back and, and we actually had a bonfire and we threw all of our albums, music in there. I sure wish I had those back. <laughs> I regret that one a little bit. <laughs> They're worth quite a bit of money right now. Oh, all you vinyl collectors, I'm telling you. You know, but we did. And maybe you had that kind of experience at camp. And you know what we're talking about here. And here's the Israelite nation saying, yes, we're going to follow God. We're going to serve him. We know. This is it. I'm telling you, we're good. Judges chapter 2, verse 11. Joshua has not been dead very long. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They started looking like everybody else that they were doing life with in their, in their own culture. They copied how they, were, how they were living. They accepted the culture of the Canaanites, and it was their destruction. Verse 13, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth, this made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. And this picture, I think, you know, Jordan even talked about this last week. You know, does, does God punish? Yes, absolutely. But, but basically what he's done here with the Israelite nation, same thing he does with us, he just hands us over. If this is the raid you're going to go, there you go. You're going to have to live with the consequences. I've given you the boundaries. I've given you the parameters of, of how you need to live. But if this is the, what you're choosing, then this is what's going to happen. And he hands them over. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. Basically, God's saying, you like the Canaanites? You want to copy their culture? You want to live like them? Then have at it. What's happened is you've just lost your freedom, and you've chosen slavery over freedom. The very thing that's the most important thing for you, your freedom, you've now given over because you've abandoned God. You followed the culture, you followed everything else, you just jumped in wholeheartedly and you surrender your freedom. And they get to a point where they wonder how in the world did we get here? And it's not very hard for us to look around in the times that we live in, in our communities, in our cultures, in our nation, in the world, and say how in the world did we get here? And I truly believe it's because we've abandoned God. And, and we, take our, we take our freedom and, and we ignore all the guardrails, all the parameters, all the things that God would have us to, for us to live our best life. And we decide, you know what, I just want to do it my way. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. 
And so we make those kind of decisions, and we're drawn to everything that's around us that looks so good that other people have, that other people are doing, and we are a set-apart people. We are Christ's priesthood. We, we are the bride of Christ, and we end up in a place where we don't want to be. We end up so busy that we don't have time for God that we abandon him. We end up addicted to, to substances, to, to just a different kind of lifestyle, we end up broke, you know, not being able to pay bills and, and wondering how are we going to get to the end of the month to make everything happen because we've had to have this and have that and we're trying to keep up with everybody else. And we've abandoned God in the whole thing and, and all of a sudden now we're suffering anxiety and depression and we're just in a broken and hurting. Our relationships are a mess and we wonder how in the world did we get here? And I want you to understand what we've done is because we've been chasing freedom because we want something of our own and and we, we lose sight and we abandon God, what we've done is we've taken one king, we've abandoned one king, we trade one king for another king. We abandon the capital K king for these little K kings that happen in our lives. And I think we've all had that kind of story. I think you look back somewhere in your life where you've made a kind of commitment where you, you stuck a pole in the ground and said, this is it, I'm going to go, and... and and then all of a sudden, you know what? I just don't want to do that anymore. I want my own freedom. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. And we start being our own king. And it doesn't work out very well. And this can happen overnight where, you know, you just decide, you know what? I just don't want to do this anymore. And I'm just abandoning all this. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. Or it happens in a slow fade. And we see this and experience it. There's people happening around us right now that that is happening where you make one little compromise here, one little moral adjustment here, and we start going down a path that leads to destruction where we abandon our one king and substitute another king in its place. And we get to a place where here we are addicted. We're broken relationships. We're hurting. We're in debt up to our eyeballs, and we just can't find a way out. All because we want to do it our way instead of God's way. And all we've done is traded one king for another king. So who are these kings, these little kings that, that, that we actually trade our lives for? And I just want to kind of give you a list. This is not exhaustive, just some that, that I came up with that I know I've struggled with from time to time. Maybe you'll relate to some of these more than others, but one little king is pride. How many times have pride breaking us down? How about envy? Greed? Some kind of addiction, whether it be substance, alcohol, sex, pornography, you name it. Fear, living our lives out of fear. Comparison, looking at somebody else saying, man, I wish I had that. I wish I could live that way. And we start changing up everything we're doing because we're trying to copy that. Lust, busyness. I just want to take a couple of these. You know, just think about the, the little king of greed that takes over, and this is something I battle all the time. And we talk all the time here about, about giving back, that God wants us to live a life where we're generous, where we're investing in other people's lives with our time and our talent and our money, and we're building other people up. And, and when we start being ruled by greed, you know, we don't save anymore, we don't tithe anymore, we don't be generous anymore, we don't live on a budget, we just try to keep up with everybody else. You know, they're getting a new house, let's get a new house. That car's better than mine, let's just, you know, it, it's constant. And all of a sudden we're in a, in a position that this, this little king is ruling our lives. And we don't know how to get back at it, and we can't make ends meet. 
or Marge in our last series that, that we just did. And, and we talked to so many people that said, oh, I just so needed to hear this. And, and, and having lasting, long, deep relationships is something I just, I just want to have. And I know that I'm missing the connectivity and, and, and just wanting to be together, you know. And, and yet we're so busy that we abandon all those things that get us there. It starts ruling our lives. And we want to get our schedule back, but you look, you say, I got to run the kids here. I got sporting. I got this. I got work. I got you name it. And we can't get back to the place that we want to get back in that healthy balance and relationship. And we substituted the right one king for another king. We got to understand that we are all created, which means there's a creator, which means, which means what we are created to be ruled and understand that that's not controlled, Okay. God gives us this free will. He says, I've created you, and here's the parameters I just want you to live in. I just want the best for your life. I want to give you these guardrails so that you don't get off track, so that you can continue to follow, and you can have the best life. I want the best life for you. And so often we think we can be our own king, but it just doesn't work out that well. And these other little kings that we, we substitute for God, they, they don't love us. They don't love you. They don't want the best for you. And they do want to control you. This thing of pride and envy and greed, addiction, lust. They have no mercy on our lives. And they don't want you out very easy. And they start controlling us. And I've heard so many times in, in, in the years that, you know, well, you know, that whole Christian thing, that whole God thing, you give your life to God and he doesn't want you having any fun. He wants you to give up everything that's any fun, you know? And you can't go drinking, you can't do this, you can't do that. There's just so many rules, I don't want any, any part of it. And, and I think our mind has to shift. And it got to a point that, that my mind finally shifted. I started understanding what God was doing in all this. It wasn't he didn't want to have any fun. And what, what he wants is us to, to have this life that, that, that works, that has, is the best for us, that has confines to us. And if we live this way, it's just going to work out better. You take drinking, for instance, you know? He says that don't go out and get drunk. And how many people you know that have gone out and get, gotten drunk, got a DUI, and now all of a sudden their family's falling apart? Or worse yet, heaven forbid, they go out and, and, and get drunk and drive and, and they hit somebody or kill somebody. And now their life has changed forever. And God says, if you just would have looked in the guardrails, if you just would have been there. Or maybe it's somebody in your workplace or you see this flirtation and you just think it's harmless and it's just starting to erode a relationship at home and start taking you down a path that is just not healthy. Same with any kind of addiction that's out there, whether it be alcohol or pornography or drugs or, or you name it. And we start giving in to these things and they start controlling us and becoming king. And we're not free anymore. We've given up our freedom because we've abandoned what God has in store for us, the fundamentals, the, the foundation, the parameters that he has given each and every one of us. Real freedom is only found under God's authority. It's where we are truly free. It's where we're made to live. It's where we are made to thrive. But the thing about this whole thing is it is so much easier to say no to God than it is to say no to things that we substitute for God. All those things that we substitute for God, it's so much easier to say no to God because we, get, we, we just want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with who we want to do it. And someone may even tell you, you know what, you shouldn't be dating this person. They're not in the same place as you. It's not going to be healthy. And you think, ah, uh, you know what, yeah, I get all that, but I think I can make this work. I think I can change him. And we're leading down a path, and we're changing God's 
what God wants for us, our best life, or you're in a, in a relationship, in a marriage, and, and, and things aren't going well, and you think, you know what, it'd just be easier just to start over, just to throw in the towel and quit, and let's get a divorce and just go on, and, and we start abandoning, and we hear this talking, and we're substituting one problem for the true king, because we just want to do our own thing. And here's a couple things that, that I've noticed in my own life that I start hearing is that, you know, well, what you're doing is not that bad, or you deserve it. <laughs> when I hear that in my own, my own head, that, you know, it's not that bad, or you deserve this, and I realize that, you know what, I may be straying a little bit too far of what my best life is in God's parameters, and I better check my heart, and I better check what is happening around me, because these substitute kings that we substitute God for are not merciful. They don't love you, and they will control you. They will take away your freedom. Because real freedom is only found under God's authority. Back to Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's eyes. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. They were actually serving gods that would sacrifice children. That's how far they have gotten. That's how far they had strayed. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to some king that I can't pronounce his name. And the Israelites served that king for eight years. They went back. They lost their freedom. They gave up their freedom to go into slavery, to go back into chains for eight years. And then all of a sudden they realized this is not the place that I want to be. They've gone to a place that they knew they shouldn't have gone, and their lives are in a mess. Their nation is in a mess. And many of us, many of you know that feeling, that you've made some decisions. You've decided to do things your own way, and you're in a position that you don't know how to get out of. You realize that, man, where I am, how I'm living, what's going on in my life right now is a mess, and I would just love to be out, but I don't know how to get there. It's the same place that Israel was, burdened not free, enslaved, and in chains again. And then verse 9. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. Israel gets to a place that I don't want to be here any longer, and they cry out to God, and God sends a rescuer to save them. The same thing he did for you and for me. And I love this story. I think it was about a year ago I actually preached this story, the story of the prodigal son. Many of you know it. And I love this picture of, of our God who, who rescues us, who, who wants us to be back in a relationship with him. It's a story of, of this son who goes to his father and says, Dad, I wish you were dead, and I would like my inheritance now. And the father gives him the inheritance, and, and he runs off to a, a faraway land, and, and he just lives it on wild living, prostitutes, and you name it. He blows all of his money, and he gets to a point. He's done, he did what he wanted to do, <laughs> when he wanted to do it, with whom he wanted to do it, and he ends up in a place. He says, this is not it, man. I'm not free. I wanted to be free. I wanted to be outside of my dad's rule, but here I am. Why in the world did I choose this? But I don't know how to get back there. And he finally decides, I'm going to go back, and, and, and maybe he'll take me back as a servant. My father will just take me back as a servant, and I'll, I'll go back to him. And he comes back. And the story says, and this is the part I love about this story, before he was even back to his father's house, his father goes running to him, which would have been unheard of in that day and time. And he goes running to his lost son who's coming back, and he puts a robe around him. 
And he, and, and he kills the fattened calf. He's going to have a party. He puts a ring on his finger, which signified a full restoration. That he could go down to the market and buy anything he wanted to on his father's tab. Now, wouldn't you and I, if, if something happened like that, we'd say, you know what? Let's just check to see if this is going to last. Not with God. Not with his father. He comes running, no matter what the mistakes that we have made. And he, he puts his arms around and says, welcome back. You are restored to the way you left. What a picture of who our God is. Because he is a God of mercy. No matter how far you've run, no matter where you've been, you can come back at any time. And God will run and put his arms around you. He loves you that much. And he wants you back. He wants to restore that kind of relationship with you. We so much want freedom in our lives. But true freedom is only found in a relationship to God through Jesus. And he doesn't control us. That's why it is so easy to walk away and come back and walk away and come back and walk away. And you can walk away as many times as you want and you can always come back. But I want to tell you that that will cost you something. And I just want the best for you. And I, and I want you to understand that, yes, no matter what, we can come back. We can always come back to God. And he will accept us and bring us back and try to restore us and work through us and build us up. But I'm telling you, you lose years. I've experienced this in my own life. I've watched myself when I decided I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. And it's cost me relationships. To the point there were years that I didn't have a relationship with, with two of my sons because of it. Because they did what they wanted to do, because I did what I wanted to do, and I, we just split, and, and I lost 10 years of my life in relationship with them because I chose this. And I don't want that for you. I want you to understand that God has your best interest in, in, in store for you, that he puts these guardrails, these parameters up so that we can live our best life, and we just live there. I'm telling you, it's going to be a, a better way to live than doing it your own way. Don't lose out on years of your life because you decided to do it your way. Don't let these little kings consume your life. Come back to God and let Jesus restore you. It's the only way to live. And it's the only way for us to live in true freedom. Would you pray with me? If there's anybody here that just says, you know, it's time for me to come back home, you can run right now and just tell God, God, I'm in a place that I don't want to be, and I come back running to you. Would you help me and change my heart and break it for those things that break you? Father, I just pray for each individual here, myself included. It is so easy to run the other way. It's so easy to abandon the one true king for all these other little kings that we allow into our lives. We are no better than the Israelite nation. We read these stories and think, how could Israel be so stupid? We're the same way. I'm the same way. So, Father, I just pray that you will restore us as individuals, as a community, as a nation, so we can make a difference in people's lives. Father, help us to understand why you have these guardrails, why you have these principles up, so that we can live our best life. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for restoring us. Thank you for taking us back with all the stupid things that we've done, all the mess-ups in our lives. We give you the 
praise and glory for it. It's in the amazing name of Jesus we pray. Amen.